Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. I'm Gumshoe Tom. We are Team Binge. We are here to talk about True Detective Season 4, Night Country. This is Episode 3. Tom, I find that your hello in the beginning of this show is probably in juxtaposition to how dark this show is. I don't know if we need to come in with as much happiness as you are arriving as we are about to embark on this dark, dark quest. So uh, this show really hits you in the in the fun spot, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I try to liven things up with a nice friendly hello, but um, I don't know, maybe it should be like a finger point, like hi, Evangeline, or whatever the guy does at the end. Oof. Maybe I, that's how I should have started. Oh, oh I'm, now I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> I'd forgotten that's how this episode ends. The outline would have reminded me, but I'm, I'm glad that you have reminded me. So I won't be surprised in an hour when we complete talking about it. All right, so we're uh, three episodes in to a six-episode show. This episode, everyone mm-hmm. knows, let's say it together, is the penultimate episode. Um, Not quite. The th- okay. We're midway through the show. Mid-ultimate. The what was that? The mid-ultimate show. The mid-ultimate. Okay. Sure. I'm starting with uh, what some people would define as jokes for that one guy that was like, hey, it's really hard to listen to you guys with all your jokes. So you're welcome, <laughs> sir. Welcome back, Tom. <laughs> Uh, we're three episodes in. How are you feeling? Are you still enjoying it? Yeah, I, I like the pacing of this episode. I still feel there's some kind of like goofy things with the characters. They're really not doing a whole lot for Danvers for me to try to like sympathize or like her. Oh, no. Um, I feel like they tried to do it a little bit in this episode, but it wasn't wasn't getting me. I'd like to spend more time with Navarro. I think she's the more interesting character of the two. Um, but I like how they pushed it forward. I like how we got. We didn't have to wait till like the second to last episode or last episode to get the guy in the hospital because we knew he was going to come and play. Um, and I think the way they did it was definitely in line with the first episode of kind of the horror element. Super creepy, super fun. I'm still digging it. Yeah, very much a very much a horror show. We are now in the mix of Danvers and Navarro, like team, I don't know, stop mass murder on the ice. Uh, it's <laughs> nice to watch them work together. To your point with Danvers, they're like, hey, we're going to show her dealing with the child in a way that is like sweet and nice. And I was like, mm-hmm. show, nah, I no, <laughs> I still don't buy. Danvers is still mean, mostly racist, and um, she asks great questions, but I don't know. She's <laughs> not a nice human. Anyways, mm-hmm. but Jodie Foster's doing a great job. And I mean all that in the fact that I do like that the com- the characters are complex and it is kind of fun to see uh, how dark and weird this show will get. Um, because once again, my argument for this was, you know, True Detective lives in a world that is of reality. And this show is throwing some stuff at us that I don't know. Um, but let's, we'll, we'll dive into it. Uh, Tom, as a tribute to you, I watched the previously on. The things I caught on it were... Obviously, the screaming victim, who we do see in this one, really hit us with that 48 hours timeline. So we know that the mayor's coming for our gun and badge if we don't figure (laughs) this out before those Mm -hmm. bodies thaw. How do you know when the bodies are thawed? Do they just like walk up and poke them? And it's like, nah, still pretty solid. And then just go up and poke them again. Who's on detail to go poke the bodies to see how long until they thaw? I mean, it's got to be Leia, right? Like, I feel like she kind of came and looked at the bodies, couldn't get too close. So they'll give her a big, long stick. That, yes, they'll go for a stick. Or there's certain maybe uh, anatomy things that they're like, oh, they're definitely thought out now. Um, <laughs> but that, what the the fingers, Tom? You can tell from the oh, fingers. They look like me. fingers. Anyways, let's move on. We are a clean podcast, so uh, they bring up Raymond Clark. It definitely being Annie's tongue, the tattoo, as if they didn't lay all those things on thick enough for us in episode two, and mm-hmm. then um, Annie's phone, which they really want us to know we now have. So, Tom, mm-hmm. you're welcome. I watched the previously on. I don't feel like I needed to, but thank you for those I don't three minutes. Think so yeah, there's not as much mystery, and there hasn't. I mean, there's only six seasons or six episodes in this. So, and the fact that we are recording podcasts on it, I think we're paying a lot more attention than normal. So. I don't pay any attention, Tom. I just, 
Uh, I Some told you, I was surprised at how this episode ended by what you just told me uh, three minutes ago. So let's dive into it. Uh, Navarro, we have a flashback here of Navarro arresting Annie Kotak, uh, mm-hmm. who was the victim from that case. And she's being charged with trespassing of the mind. So great. We know she's a protester. And we are also remembering that she is a doula or delivers babies. A midwife. I don't know what mm-hmm. all of the right terms are. All I thought about in this is when Navarro brings out more hot water. I'm like, oh, they're definitely cooking this lady inside this giant <laughs> tub. There's no baby being born. These people are eating a human. And then when they added paprika and salt, I was like, oh, delicious. Um, so, yeah. But also very stressful because I would not put it past the show to uh, have a baby not make it in the beginning and it was going to kill my soul and I wasn't ready on it. I don't want to dwell on it, but that's how dark these shows are. It wouldn't have surprised me. Yeah, I was like right when the show couldn't be more depressing. Like once that baby finally started crying, I'm like, oh goodness, thank thank goodness. But they get to it a little bit later about, and I think this is kind of the start of maybe something happening in this town, whether it's the mine or the water, because they make mention later on that there's like another stillborn um like Mm -hmm. death Mm -hmm. which is just like obviously terrible and sad so it seems like this is kind of like the precursor that people are having trouble conceiving in this in this town yeah maybe not conceiving there's a lot of conceiving going on but yeah the the child making it to delivery sure Mm -hmm. which is we have seen a lot of conceiving in the right so so much conceiving once again (laughs) my stance is less conceiving more (laughs) delivering and more cooking of humans but less (laughs) conceiving there is a, I don't know why they tell us this, but they're like December 22nd, fifth day of night. I mean, if there's a hundred days of night, you could convince me. I don't really know what this timeline gives us other than I hope all these people got their Christmas shopping done. That was mainly what I thought <laughs> of when they told me this. But I mean, again, this is the story of Christmas. We saw those flying caribou in the beginning. So they're just counting down the days. It's like oh, an advent calendar. okay. So I guess <laughs> with Christmas, then that baby that was born was the Christ. And mm-hmm. he was three days early. So Yes. Um, and then naturally they eat uh, the Mother Mary. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Um, they're doing a manhunt for Raymond Clark. This seemed uh, very organized. Uh, I love Hank's speech. Um and I love the fact that they're just like, hey, hunters, do you like hunting animals? Do you like hunting humans? The most, the most dangerous, dangerous game. <laughs> so they're At getting... first I was like, is Hank deputizing these guys? But like, no, they're seemingly just his hunting buddies that he's just allowing to try to hunt and kill oh, this guy. Like, I would they don't want to say. I would think this is like a lot of these small out of note. They probably don't have a giant police force. So there mm-hmm. are times when volunteers are brought in, even in our own state. If someone's missing, you could, you know, you would bring in volunteers yeah. to go, to go Less walk guns, around. Though. Oh, well, I mean, what if you find the person they try and get away? You know, like if a child like here, if we were volunteers, Tom, and a child was lost in the woods and they tried to get away, you got to, you know, slow them down. So that's what the guns are for. Mom, I'm sorry again. Uh, I haven't been on one of these before, so I'm learning a lot. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I volunteered once. They have not invited (laughs) me back. One and done. (laughs) One and done. We were successful to a point. Uh, yeah, we found you didn't, them. Live in, you didn't live in Oklahoma very long. <laughs> Let's see. Um, finding my finding was one for one. The survival rate was oh for one. <laughs> so I'm not going to go into details <laughs> there. The court is it's still working through. Anyways, let's okay. move on. Um, Navarro <laughs> does want to remind these guys with their guns that they want uh, Raymond Clark alive. And mm-hmm. uh, Hank seems to be on board with that, right? I mean, we already knew Hank was a bit shady, and I feel like in this episode they lay it on very thick about him being super suspicious. And I'll have a couple more points later on, but yeah, this is certainly starts with it very, uh, very heavily suspicious in this uh, the sequence. Yeah, they're all pointing to, and we can talk about it later. But Hank almost trying to cover up and not mm-hmm. undig the past in some very specific ways. So, yeah. Tom, did you clock the citrus? I'm assuming citrus is probably a pretty natural grown in the tundra of Alaska. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Mm -hmm. this uh, guy drops an orange, which is then picked up by uh, Navarro. And I was like, that 
that's not significant and won't come back later in the show. So I yeah, don't even know why I brought how, it up now. Yeah, they don't know how long they're going to be out there. They don't want to get scurvy, so it's smart. Bring Tom, some Tom <laughs> that is that is smart. You, I am always thinking about scurvy. And so, <laughs> good point, man. A lot of you out there, don't get scurvy. Eat a lime <laughs> once every 12 months. Won't get scurvy. Learn from the old British Royal Navy. Mm-hmm. All right, we're with Pete and Danvers. They are uh, talking about what happened with Lund, and Lund mm-hmm. is the his first name escapes me, but uh, Lund it's is like the, Alder or something. What is it? Alder, maybe Alder Lund, Anders Lund, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any one of those. Yeah, doesn't mm-hmm. Big A Lund they call him, um, but he's getting smaller because they're cutting off limbs, and so <laughs> no longer Big Lund, kind of. Median size being whittled down to small Lund. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's up with me today. <laughs> I apologize. Goodness. Listen, this is a dark show. We've got to make some levity, right? All right. All right. My, uh, my apologies to the Lund family. Um, <laughs> and your mother. <laughs> my mother and Gam Gam. All right. So they are... Uh, he... Oh, Danvers lets Pete know that he's bringing Navarro on to the investigation. I get a little mm-hmm. bit of a sense that Pete is offended because Pete is kind of Danvers' protege, um, although, you know, whatever. Um, and then we find out that, or does she ask him to hack Annie's phone? I don't know. As soon as they said <laughs> hack, my eyes rolled into the back of my head and I couldn't stop thinking about a murder at the end of the world and <laughs> motorcycle helmets attaching I to just... people's heads. I love the concept of like, hey, you're younger than I am. You could probably hack this. And he's like, what do you want me to do? And of course, at the very end, he actually does hack it, which is great. Right, 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 right. There's like, I mean, if you asked me to hack a phone, I would find a picture of the person. I'd hold the face recognition up to him. And if that didn't mm-hmm. work, I'd be like, this is unhackable. It's impossible. <laughs> this is unhackable. And then I'd throw it in a bowl of rice and I'd move <laughs> on with my life. All right. There's a conversation, I believe, with um, where they're discussing Danver and Navarro's falling out. And it comes Mm -hmm. back to the William Wheeler case. And so we get a a flashback with Danvers telling the story about this couple. He's very abusive. They keep getting calls. And then finally, he ends up killing um, the woman and... The way she tells it when they arrive, it was a murder-suicide. But in the... And I thought the show did this really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it I mean it, it didn't try to disguise it, but it was like a thing where you're like, okay, they're telling us what Danver is saying, but also showing us what actually happened. And I mm-hmm. thought this was really well done. Well, and I like that they didn't show all of it. Like, we know that there's something else going on here, but they didn't show whether it was Danvers or Navarro that kind of pulled the trigger and, and shot this guy. And then, like, who's kind of covering for who? It's it's an interesting dynamic. What, what's what's your take on that? Um, my take is that Danvers shoots, and that's why Navarro... I, I Like, the... The relationship here is that Navarro has a bone to pick with Danvers. And so I would think Danvers is the one that went too far mm-hmm. and Navarro. But there's also some implications that these two were in a romantic relationship. Did I pick up on that as well? Or am I not touching the right thing? No, I don't know if I picked up on that. But I, I seem to think that the way the show is portraying both of these um, officers is that like Danvers is more, she'll do whatever she has to do to get like the case. So she's going to break rules and that kind of stuff. Whereas Navarro is more straight laced. So I, I almost think like the show is going to flip that a little bit where Navarro maybe was the one that pulled the trigger and Danvers is kind of covering for her. I, I don't, I don't know, but I, oh, I like the way they shot. I like how we have a little bit of, of mystery to kind of figure out what this dynamic is, but now it does give us a lot, uh, fills in a lot of those gaps about why they are the way they are. And obviously what she ultimately tells Pete here, like Pete's not believing it. He's not buying it. He asks his father later about it. Like clearly just because Navarro wanted to know more about the case or thought she could do something else. That wouldn't have been the reason for their falling out. Sure. Sure. To go back how this is shot. The one thing I did pick up on is Wheeler when he's in the chair, looking at the dead body of the woman he murdered 
he whistles uh, a tune, and it is Do the Twist by Chubby Checker. And I was like, <laughs> oh, what a jam. I haven't heard that. This was that. a good pickup. Like, do you think it is the Twist and Shout, the Beatles song? Yeah. I couldn't really make it out. Okay. Oh, Tom, the only way I know that is probably because subtitles said at the bottom, whistling, twist and shout. (laughs) If you think I have an ear or I was paying any attention or could even hear at this point during the show, I was like, shoot him, shoot him. (laughs) I was shouting it, shoot him. And this kind of, you brought up how like Danvers is kind of the get the job done, do anything, break the rules. Navarro's maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit more. Made me think of you and I and how we both take on the role of Danvers. We'll just do anything to get it done. And we don't care about the rules. That's why this podcast has an explicit rating. That's Mm -hmm. right, folks. We don't follow your FCC rules. Wait, Bad cop, bad cop. Bad bad cop and batter cop. The only choice is which one's the batter one. That's right. Sorry, Mom. Um, Anyways, we... Any more mystery to talk about in that room? I'm assuming we're going to flush this all out. And I did like your pickup because Pete does play the game later where he's like, hey, Dad, this is not on topic or anything, but whatever mm-hmm. happened between Navarro and Danvers? And the, and Hank's like, why is your voice doing that? <laughs> um, we go back to Navarro on the ice. Uh, Navarro goes from the search to like a building very quickly. I think Navarro may be an amateur helicopterist. Um, because she is like back and forth places all the time. Well, Navarro's not here. She wasn't in there. This was uh, Pete and Danvers having the conversation. So Navarro was already out there. Yeah, but Navarro was in the flashback, Tom, which means she would have had to fly from the search to go to the flashback (laughs) to participate in the reenactment and Mm -hmm. then put on her hat to let you know that she was in a flashback. Yep, she had to change Mm -hmm. uniforms back to her old uniform. All right. Thanks for pointing out that I'm an idiot, Tom. <laughs> Navarro Navarro throws the orange into the dark. Um, the orange gets thrown back at her. And then all of the old White Sox players come out of the dark and they say, if you build it, they will come. And uh, <laughs> then Robert Redford shows up. No. Kevin Costner. No, he's on Yellowstone. I don't know. What's happening here, Tom? Why are the oranges coming back? No, it wasn't those actors. It was Robin Williams uh, as Mrs. Doubtfire saying, run by fruiting. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I could think of when this happened. And then a voice voice saying, help us in a British Mrs. Doubtfire accent. (laughs) Help us, dear. But like, I think this is, we've already kind of seen... I, I think we can't trust Navarro, right? Like, Ooh. whether it's her family history or the things that she's seeing where she saw that, like, bear with the one eye. I don't think that was real. I don't think what she sees here is real. I think she's kind of an unreliable narrator in that in that aspect. But I don't know. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I, I would... I think we should talk about this later on in the episode because I yeah, think there's some other it. stuff that's happening that, that leads that. But I, I'm... I'm I'm with you. All right, we go from the drive-by fruiting to <laughs> Navarro and Danvers, and they're like they like fist bump, and they're oh no 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 they put their rings together they twist and they're like form of detectives true detectives. And then they just start laying out pictures. Evidence montage. <laughs> Evidence montage. Um, I have a feeling that modern day detectives, uh, they watch these shows and then they struggle with it because all photos are digital now. And so, you know, they don't have the budget for all that ink. So they just put <laughs> up like one digital frame and they just watch it on like five <laughs> second slide <laughs> yeah and then of course it's the one that plays like music so it's doing like this like elevator uh music as they just watch and it's there's less drama they're like trying to stick yarn to the frame and they're like oh that picture moved on we'll, we'll catch it on the next go around gus i don't know that's i love i love pictures and yarn and detectives mm-hmm. they what would we do without them it makes a better tv for sure right 
The correct question during this conversation, the one thing I wanted to point out, was why keep it a secret? And what they mean mm-hmm. is why would Annie and Raymond have a shagging wagon out in the tundra? <laughs> why would they why would they not tell anyone about their love? The greatest love story ever told, which is what you told me you thought this was offline mm-hmm. when we weren't mm-hmm. recording. So what's going on here? It's interesting because like they both make comment about why are they keeping it secret when both of these characters have secret relationships like Navarro with Quebec and um, Danvers with Ted. I don't know what his name is. Connolly, whatever they yeah, are. Yeah, Police Chief or... Anchorage, I believe mm-hmm. is what we'll call him. Yeah, so I, I kind of like that that kind of play of of the secret angle. But they do make, make mention that they look happy. Like it doesn't seem like Raymond would have done like a crime of passion or anything else. And clearly based on what we've gotten from the other clues. I mean, I, I think they were in love and I don't think this is necessarily a, um, I don't know, a, a relationship gone awry. Sure. Sure. Is this the part where pink or where pink, where Pete brings in coffee and then she calls him like, freshman or something like that navarro yeah. calls pete freshman mm-hmm. and she says she has a great navarro has a great moment where she says something to danvers about are you still chasing everything that's young or something like that <laughs> and is like run pete run i thought that exchange was was very funny yeah, she's definitely kind of uh, messing with him a bit. But they, they find this candid photo, I guess. And I feel like this was this all happened a bit quick. It was a bit kind of... Oh, you think so? Night, a bit tidy of seeing this picture and then immediately having blue hair dye and then immediately going to this person that kind of told him everything. But it, it was fine. It was just uh, a plot device. Sure. They're like, the back of this digital fl- uh, frame has hair dye on it. And they're like, yep, it does. Let's go to the hairstylist. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was trying to bring up digital frames again, but <laughs> I mean, it could have uh, hair dye on it. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. It's a physical item. Anyways, <laughs> let's let's let those seven seconds go by and move on to the next photo, which is us at the hair colorist. I don't know. I didn't see scissors, so I'm assuming this woman only colors hair. Mm-hmm. And Susan might be her name. It New is. Ray and. This is also where Danvers is good with the child. And I was like, I'm not buying it. Danvers is mean. She'd be screaming mm. at that kid about, I don't know. The kid would have like food on it, mac and cheese on its face. And Danvers would be like, wipe it off, wipe it off. She just keeps <laughs> screaming it because she hates when people have stuff on their faces. We find out later. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah, I don't. I mean, again, we know Danvers has a haunted past and likely lost a, a child, so it's showing her being good with children. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. She seems kind of like a jerk to everybody else. Okay, so you're once again pointing out that I'm being insensitive. That's fair, Tom. What are your <laughs> thoughts on mac and cheese? Are you pro mac and cheese or anti mac and cheese? Oh, I'm I'm for it. I make the meanest meanest craft mac and cheese there is. My son loves it. Craft mac and cheese. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Do you do anything special sponsors. with it, or do you just straight you directions? Don't put in, you don't put in all the cheese. You put in a little bit of extra butter and only a slight bit of milk. That's all you need. Uh, what do you do with the leftover cheese powder? And I think we're being pretty generous calling it cheese. What do you mean you don't <laughs> put in all the cheese? This is just well, you noodles. Put it, you put this it in sounds a line. like you're eating plain noodles. Like a prisoner. No, no, no. You put that in a line and you sniff that. Oh, you take a bump. You take a bump mm-hmm. of the powdered cheese. Like a bump. And mm-hmm. then while you're riding yep. that yellow dragon, as you <laughs> like to call it, you start eating the noodles. All right. Exactly. All right. Mm-hmm. Tom, I, I, I think you need to go back to those AA meetings or <laughs> those NA meetings. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Addiction's fun. She was the Salol. I did it, Tom. Hair cutter. Um, and that is where Annie met Ray, and they fell in love. We find out that that swirl tattoo was dreamed up by Annie, which, once mm-hmm. again, we're giving this swirl tattoo so much credit. We're treating it <laughs> as if it is a work of art. Something online I saw was someone's like, hey, the most unbelievable thing is that this tattoo costs $500. <laughs> 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 they showed the receipt when she yeah. looked it up. <laughs> Such a crappy tattoo. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, mm-hmm. I would like to offend. I'm sorry. I'd like to apologize to my mom once again, who has this tattoo on her forehead. <laughs> sorry, mom. 
And Annie wanted to keep the relationship secret, which did you feel like earlier when you brought up how Danvers and Navarro both have secret relationships? There's a point here where Danvers, like when they ask that question, Danver goes, oh, are you still seeing Quavec? She doesn't know his name. So the mm-hmm. implication is she is trying to relate like, hey, why, why would you keep a relationship secret? That's probably one of the same reasons Annie would keep a relationship secret, right? Mm-hmm. Is that how you... Yeah, one of the other implications is, at least with these two, is they're trying to keep these relationships secret, but clearly it's not. Like, everybody at the uh, police oh, station seems saying. to know what it is, but in this instance, they don't understand or know why they are keeping it secret, and nobody seems to know except for Susan the hairdresser here. Right, 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 right. We get a new name. We get a name. His name is... We have a new name introduced... It is Oliver Tkak, we'll Tkak, say. there you go. Mm-hmm. And this person, remind me again why Oliver was important. So I think she was dating the hairdresser, and we find out that he was also working at Salal as like one of their engineers, but had left. Okay. Um, he's kind of like a nomad and doesn't want to be found. Um, but it, it just kind of more or less gives them gives them an extra lead. Another person conversation. to talk to from mm-hmm. that facility. I got yeah. it. Yeah, I got it. And then the conversation I think kind of buttons up by by saying that she, once she kind of found out about this and that relationship, she reached out to Hank to kind of file a report. And Hank is not told Dan- Danvers nor Navarro, and Navarro is upset. Yes, she is. I like how this scene ends where she's like, "Oh, I told the police." And then it's like, who'd you tell? And then they hard cut, and you're just like, ooh, Hank's gonna get it. They're gonna, they're gonna kill him. Mm-hmm. So we have another dead body, and it's Hank. Um, the conversation between is this Hank Navarro and Danvers when they accost him, and Navarro is blaming the mine on Annie. It's always been about the mine, or is this just Danvers and Navarro talking? This is, I think they get back in the car and they're kind of heading back to the rink to kind of confront Hank. So I think they're having this back and forth conversation about, again, like the spirituality versus like the facts and how each of them kind of have different approaches to this case. Right. Navarro believes in chupacabras, which (laughs) one of them, I think Danvers mispronounces quite. And the fact that I read it off the outline is honestly, I mean... Please send me a medal. I did a great job. <laughs> and I, I, so it's, if you go back to season one, season one, it's that uh, McConaughey is kind of the, like, the open minded, like, looking at things from weird angles, mm-hmm. like the psychology of it. I, I don't know that he's, he, you know, he, he's not necessarily spiritual in the traditional sense, but I think he is like looking at things from that way. And then um, Woody Harrelson is just kind of a like by the book cop. So it's interesting mm-hmm. that they've kind of brought that dynamic back. I don't remember that being in the other two seasons as like cut and dry as this is. Yeah, agreed. We have a little bit of like levity of her talking about like having a Tinder, which is kind of comical in like a super small town. And then she says she like opens it up to a, a bigger town. But when they do have this back and forth and like Danvers, again, just being her Danvers self, like laughs, openly laughs at her praying. Like Navarro's response was just so great in the scene where she's like, you know, like when I pray, I don't necessarily talk. I listen, um, which was just it almost kind of put Danvers in her in her place a bit. Yeah, I yeah. I, I thought that was an interesting part of this. And once again, the uh, Navarro, the actress that's playing Navarro, for someone who does not have a lot of acting credits, she she does a phenomenal job. And certainly uh, she's playing against Jodie Foster, which is not, you know, an easy thing to do. Like, mm-hmm. you got to think that's a little bit intimidating, being like, oh, I'm going to... I went from, actually, I guess if you go from punching people out in a boxing ring, you're probably <laughs> like, oh, Jodie Foster's not going to intimidate me. But I, both these two are, I just want to make the note, they're doing a fabulous job. Tom, something in this conversation I wrote, did these two date? And there was a comment that I believe Danvers makes to Navarro about, are you like still seeing women? And so I don't know if that was a shot 
because uh, Danvers is we've seen kind of a bigot. Um, but <laughs> like I didn't know if it was implied because Danvers also knew where she kept all her groceries and stuff. It's almost like these two. I don't know. So you didn't pick up on a like former romantic relationship at all. You're thinking these stri- no. two were strictly partners. I don't. I don't know if I did, but it wouldn't necessarily surprise me. I mean, these characters both seem to be very. Um active with their romantic life so you know if they did have a relationship good on them um it might just kind of complicate some of their backstory which i don't know if we need as much i think they have uh, complicated enough backstory but uh yeah i don't know we'll see sure we have hank and pete having a little heart to heart at the rink hank's like i brought you these skates i think they still fit and i know you love to <laughs> skate and mm-hmm. pete's like these are for my kid Darwin, and Hank goes, Darwin's a terrible kid's name, and I believe that's <laughs> where you. this, I believe that's where this conversation ends. Listen, I am I have distant relative of Char- Charles Darwin, and I wanted to name my son. I wanted his middle name to be Darwin. My wife wasn't having it, so we got Charles instead. So how dare you, sir? Oh, it's crazy. I can't believe you're related <laughs> to that old kook that believed in evolution. Goodness, what a madman. Anyways, speaking of Mad Men, Navarro comes in super hot at Hank. Danvers gets mad about a Mrs. Robinson quip, which I thought was funny because I think Pete says something like, who's Mrs. Robinson? Yeah, he doesn't get it. No, it's it's all just so good. They have really filled in... They have filled in these characters' lives in a way for three episodes, and Mm -hmm. I don't feel like they sat down and were like, they had like the town gossip that was like, let me tell you about Navarro and what her backstory is. Let me tell you about Danvers and what her backstory is. Like, mm-hmm. I do feel like I've got like who these people are. Um, so I don't know. The show does a, yeah. a great character development. Um, for no, I agree. Story. I think it, it's written well. And they kind of play it like they might have had a romantic relationship, but I'm not buying it. I think more or less both of these people fill something in their lives where like Danvers has lost her son Pete seemingly has lost his mother, so I think they're just kind of filling filling those roles for for one another. Who, yeah, that's good. Oh, I yeah, no part of me thought that there was actually a a romantic a relationship between between Danvers <laughs> yeah. and and Pete. Um, mm-hmm. There, <laughs> Tom, uh, <laughs> I made a note in the outline based on our history. I wrote, "There's definitely liquid in that cup." Because for those of you joining us for the first time, one of my favorite things to hate at a show is when actors have cups that are empty and they are acting like there's something in them and you can just (laughs) tell there's nothing in them. This cup definitely had liquid in it because it got Mm -hmm. thrown all over Hanky Panky's face. That's what I'm going to call him from now on. And I I assumed this was hot coffee and he just takes it like a champ. He doesn't even react. He just he just lets it go. So good nope. good on him. This guy's not suing McDonald's for a loose lid. <laughs> he's uh he's just going to accept it. Not litigious, our Hank. So I I have some questions about Hank here. Like we had mentioned it kind of at the top. Like I feel like are they positioning him as the big bad? I I want to say maybe he has some sort of relationship with like Kate, who was that one woman that we know didn't like Annie and has some sort of relationship with the mine. I think even at that point when Kate and Hank like met, Kate called him like Henry. So it seems like they might've had a closer relationship. Maybe he's doing something to kind of cover up for her. Um, And I also find it very interesting that Danvers doesn't really reprimand him here. And Navarro even calls her out on it. Like, why aren't you doing anything? And I'm wondering if, what Hank has on her is something about the 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 murder suicide the Wheeler case like maybe he knows about it and he's kind of holding that over her okay so in this situation Hank knows that Danvers and Navarro did something illegal with Wheeler mm-hmm. like Danvers shot Wheeler and then made it look like a suicide Hank had a relationship with the with Annie the the mine rep and so you feel like I like where all of that is at. I Hank doesn't to me feel like the big bad. Um, I kind of agree. Yeah. He's just super shady and they're almost throwing him as like too shady here. If um, to be the big, yeah. Like the, if the Kotok, Kotok, Kotok case is like a major thing, him just keeping the box in like a den where he paints everything blue. Uh, 
<laughs> it seems like you burn it, you destroy it, like you do something if you're the big bad. You're you're smarter than that. Although mm-hmm. he did have a bunch of room painted, which means he probably murdered someone and blood splatter got everywhere. So <laughs> I'm not ruling out as Hank is not part of the problem. I mean, mm-hmm. if global warming is the big bad, I think we're all part of the problem, Tom. Um, and so, so um, but if we hack enough things, we can fix global warming. That's what mm-hmm. murder at the end of the world taught me. I'm digressing. I think Hank. I think Hank is a... I don't think he's the big bad. I think he's a bad cop and maybe not a great person. But I, I, I know I'm going to regret this in three episodes when he <laughs> is like, I'm the Yellow King. I'm Carcosa. And he just starts stabbing people with his two tridents. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, he doesn't give me big bad vibes, but mm-hmm. maybe that's the point. Maybe he's flying under the radar. So, but I, I like all the things that you have pointed to thus far. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I did do a good job pointing mm-hmm. to those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. We find Quavik just minding his own business. And the best. is he... Is he out on the lake or out on the water ice fishing? Is that where we mm-hmm. find him? Yes. I love how like Navarro comes like screams for him. He's like, shh, like don't scare away my fish. It's great. Right. Um, our friend of the podcast, Barrett, brought up that Quavik is just a hero and living the best life. This guy's Agreed. like mm-hmm. running a bar, fishing when he wants to. Occasionally a lady friend shows up and they shake hands. And then he goes mm-hmm. about his day. Oh, bubble mm-hmm. baths. Bubble baths with oh, music. Yes. You know what, so Tom? Good. I'll see your Hank. I'll raise you Quavik. I think Quavik's the big bad. That's where I'm at. This guy. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Good this twist. guy's burning tires in his backyard, just encouraging global warming. I think Quavik <laughs> and global warming, hand in hand. Okay, um, he's your wild card? He's my wild card. Tom, how much ice fishing have you done in your life? Don't say zero, because that would make us bad podcast hosts. Oh, I go uh, ice fishing every other day here in Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) Strong answer. (laughs) Strong answer. I love this conversation. It's like, Quavik's like, fine. You're going to ask me questions about uh, TACAC. I'm going to, I got in trouble for the way I said it earlier. um, So I'm going to be very gentle (laughs) in the way that I say TACAC. Just call him Oliver. 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 Ollie. Nah, I like TACAC. I like to live dangerously. Much like Quavik <laughs> and global warming. All right. So we have... Uh, Navarro is asking questions about Takak, and Quavik's response is fine. You can ask me questions, but I'm asking questions about you. And I like mm-hmm. this about him. He cares. He's like trying to find something out other than the physical. He'd like to develop a relationship with Navarro because he's the big bad and he wants her secrets so he can ruin her. Um, mm-hmm. And asks her about her mom. And yeah, like the, the quid pro quo line is really good too. It like ties it back to um, Silence of the Lambs, which I thought was cool. I'm sorry, what was the Silence of the Lambs reference? Like quid pro quo doesn't um, uh, Hannibal Lecter like say that to Jodie Foster's character in that like that concept of quid pro quo? Like if you want me to do something for you, you got to do something for me. So I think it might have just been a nod. Is that the scene where they exchange cans of beans, where he gives her Farver mm-hmm. beans and she gives mm-hmm. him TNT. refied? Mm-hmm. Black beans. That's all I remember from that show is the exchanging of beans and the. It was a movie. It was a cuisine movie, right? There's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of recipe talk. Anyways, yeah, it's it's how you prepare the lamb. You do it silently. <laughs> strong, strong. I like that. I'm gonna think about that tonight while I'm trying to fall asleep. That was good. All right, we find out that Navarro grew up in Boston, had an abusive dad, mom left. Went back to Alaska, and then a stunning event here. Navarro's mom was killed, and uh, seems like a colder case. Uh, So apparently women in this Alaskan town, the life expectancy is not very long. And maybe we need to, I don't know, do a Martin Scorsese movie about what's happening (laughs) in this little village. I feel like my first inclination when I heard this, like I don't think this happened, but... I thought, okay, if Navarro was the potentially the one that shot this guy in this Wheeler case, 
and almost made me think the way she kind of told the story of her, like her mom and her struggling with her mental illness. I wonder if maybe she is the one that I don't want to say murdered her mom, but like did something maybe to protect her sister, to get her sister out of that like abusive relationship kind of a thing. I'm not kind of sure. I don't think that's it, but that was, that was kind of the first thing I thought about. Yeah. In a show like this, you have to assume everyone has either purposefully or accidentally murdered someone and they're all keeping it a secret. So I, I, I certainly, I certainly see where you're coming from. I do, I do want to make a quick mention before we go to another scene. I love the way this whole scene was shot. Like in this little like room or house with this ice and like there's this green aqua blue like light reflecting off of both these characters' faces. I thought it was just brilliantly lit and, and very well done for both actors. Yes. I mean, everything for as, as like literally dark as this show is from it having to be shot at night, they do a, a fantastic job. Other than those stupid CGI reindeer in the beginning, everything else has looked great. Yeah. We cut to Leia, our favorite character in the show, as she mm-hmm. has gone to a protest meeting of the uh, native people. They are talking about the mine and what a detriment it is to them, their their you know traditions. Um, and so you can see this having an effect on on leia she does go there and meet her 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 boo her beau Mm -hmm. i don't know what the Mm -hmm. correct term is Um, (laughs) but they are talking about like getting the mind to close and this is as you mentioned earlier the part where uh, stillborn baby is uh, brought up like Mm -hmm. all of this leading to like i guess like water issues right yeah, they just kind of mentioned, like, the, the bad water. They all kind of, like, are taking seemingly, like, the black water and kind of, like, rubbing over their faces and mouths. Like, very, really cool imagery of, of what they're kind of doing and protesting here. But I like that Leia is that character that's kind of diving into this a little bit more, finding her her, her heritage and her roots, and Danvers just trying to, to shut it down for whatever her reasons are. Right, right. What I thought was interesting is there's a moment here where someone's like, oh, aren't you the like the chief of police's daughter. And she's like, oh, I, and she's like, oh, it's fine. Like, we're just, we're glad you're here. Which mm-hmm. in a different show, that's like, oh, this is the police chief's daughter. And then like Danvers has to swoop in to save her. But it was, it was interesting how they, how they handled this. And Tom, good on you. I did not realize, I thought the black stuff was like kind of paint or like, cause we've seen other like tattoos and stuff. But that was literally them smearing the water in order to show like how bad the water's gotten. I think so. Yeah, I, I could be off base there. Um, I but think you're right. Kind of I, I like it. that. Okay. I like that better because I was like, oh, that face tattoo artist was not very good on that <laughs> one. That's just a storm cloud. Um, we're back with Danvers. She's I don't know cooking a turkey, throwing a turkey in the refrigerator where it will cook for several hours. I don't know what you do with the turkey. <laughs> It is weird. Like she's, I don't know, I guess looking over her case files and she's listening to white noise, which just seems, I don't know, do, do people do that to like, I listen to classical music when I work sometimes, like if I'm knee deep in some sort of like problem, but white noise seems like, I don't know, a bit, <laughs> a bit weird. No, both, both you and her are crazy. I just turned this <laughs> podcast on repeat. I crank it up to times five. So we sound like chipmunks and I just... Man, the amount of times I'd listen to us talk about Ted Lasso, oh, it's brutal. <laughs> Makes me want to go to sleep forever, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I don't. Anyways, uh, all I could think about when she doesn't know what to do with this turkey, instead of putting it in the oven, she puts it in the refrigerator to cook, is my mom kept a newspaper <laughs> clipping of when I'm a child and like the local small town newspaper asked mm-hmm. me how to cook a turkey for like a Thanksgiving special. And I was like, I'm like four. I'm like, you know, you slap in the baster, you put some water on it, you throw it in the oven for 15 minutes, and dad cuts it, and that's Thanksgiving. (laughs) I don't remember exactly what I said, but guess what, Tom? I was an idiot when I was a kid, too. So haven't gotten any smarter. (laughs) My mom was a kindergarten teacher, so for years that was our family tradition. She would bring in that year's kindergarten class, like, recipes so they would say like what is gravy how do you make gravy you take a bunch of chocolate you melt it you put it in the 
oven at three degrees for 18 minutes like nice. just the most adorable things ever like my mom should have made a book out of it yeah no 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 no. and then those kids would have sued her when they got older <laughs> for royalties exactly <laughs> Leia comes home and Danvers reacts very poorly to Leia going to that meeting. And it's because Leia is wearing like a protest shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of shirts, Tom, we sell shirt. We shall, we shall shirts by the seashore. <laughs> All right. And Danvers gets real mad and tells <laughs> Leia to Good wipe one. off that chin tattoo. And I was like, that's a permanent mm-hmm. tattoo. You And then it came off. And I was like, oh, good call. I don't know what to do it's there. It's just, again, I don't understand. And I'm hoping we get it. I'm sure nope. we will. Like, Danvers is just literally having her daughter erase her own heritage. Like, right. it's just, like, the symbolism is just staring at you in the face. It's it's brutal. Yeah, no, they're, they're not doing... They're not doing a great job of showing us Danvers oscillate from like good and bad. And I know people mm-hmm. are complicated, but she does do some things that are, I don't know, uh, not understandably terrible. They're just terrible. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we have Navarro having some visions where uh, oh is this where she slips on the ice and she sees the one-eyed polar bear from lost yeah she's like looking out in the ice i guess as they're continuing the the hunt for ray and she sees something kind of running in the distance which i think we get in this flashback that it's danvers kid like holding onto the one-eyed polar bear and like asking about mommy or something like that but yeah so she's she's having visions this goes back to my concept earlier when she saw the oranges that i think she's kind of an unreliable not necessarily narrator, but visual later when we look when we see her on screen. Sure, 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 sure. So there's a chance we are on we are on record that Navarro, with a history of you know mental illness in the family. Once again, Tom and I are not doctors, um, but this character is not real, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Don't sue us, Navarro's attorney. Um, so there is a chance that she is also having some hallucinations. Also, I would think if you live in darkness for 24 hours, and I think that's what this show is also kind of putting in Mm -hmm. front of us is like, Hey, stuff gets weird. Like, uh, when you don't see the sun, when you don't get vitamin D, um, but you get vitamin C, you don't get scurvy. You just get some (laughs) hallucinate uh, hallucinations. Um, yeah, it's been mentioned multiple times in this show that it's not just Danvers and, and her heritage or her family history. It's something happens in this town. So, and again, I, I still keep going back to the mine. It's got to be something there, whether it's the water's black now, but is there something else that happened seven years ago or whatever that has caused this town to kind of go a little bit loopy? Um, I do want to call out, though, when she does like slip and fall on the ice and she kind of has her little vision of the like Danvers kid. She also seems to go to like Mad Max Fury Road, um, like because it's all like deserty and everything. Mm. But I think what that is is actually going back to like the war zone where we kind of saw her flashback when she saw that um, one wounded soldier. Um, yeah, right. wounded I soldier. Remember. So I think that's kind of where she's she's kind of her mind's going back to that that place for some reason. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I guess you could point to maybe she has some uh, some trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, from back then. Okay, I've got gotcha. you. I did not put that together, but that would make sense. Navarro gets a call that her sister at the bar has had an episode. Um, and so, as anyone does, she immediately goes to the abandoned boat in the middle of the ice cap in the middle of mm-hmm. the night. The sister, I don't know how she got there. I'm assuming she took a boat um, <laughs> and finds her. Tom... If I have an episode and I disappear somewhere and they're like, Tom, your podcast and life partner Julian's gone. And you're like, I know where to find him. Where would you go to find me? Uh, the closest bar. Whew. That <laughs> does not. Tom, I'm not paying bar prices to get liquored up. Come on. I'm going to go to the Safeway. I'm going to buy my own bottles. I'm going to sit in the parking lot, scream at <laughs> Girl Scout cookie sellers and those Salvation Army guys that ring the bell. And mm-hmm. uh, once I get escorted off the premises, then I'll go into a bar. 
Um, ask me the same question, Tom. Where would you find me, Mr. Julian, if I was if I had an episode? That old folks' home where you constantly grift people for money. I think it's called the <laughs> honeypot scheme. I think is what where you wink at the old ladies and they give you their social security checks. A mm. boom. Mine was not as good as yours. All right. <laughs> they they love their bingo. <laughs> they love their bingo. And that's Tom's nickname, Bingo. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> That was worth uh, it. She hit a bingo. All right, here, let's move on. So Pete is at home. Uh, he does a terrible job taking off of his uh, taking off his pants and charging his phone <laughs> because he immediately yanks the cord out of the wall and knocks the lamp over Can and wakes everyone. I gotta up. say something. Yes. When I watch the scene, I'm like, this is dumb. Like it's like laughable how loud he was. As we were finishing our late night video game session, and I'm trying to put the stuff away, I drop my Xbox controller in a like perfectly silent house and batteries <laughs> flew out it made all the noise in the world so i feel for him now i, I get how it, i get how this can happen i can't say i've ever knocked a lamp over but i've certainly did the thing where you like drop your phone and it knocks over <laughs> four bourbon empty bourbon glasses or half empty <laughs> bourbon glasses on the nightstand so mm. i you know i did not think this was what i did think is like the anger of the spouse i i would 100 percent when you're woken up like that you're like irrationally angry. You're just like, yes. what are you doing? You're out there serving and protecting at night and you're waking me up? What a jerk. <laughs> yeah, so Caleb being mad was uh, the uh, most honest thing this show's done thus mm -hmm. far. Agreed. So Kayla is a nurse. Tom, I would like our listeners to uh, please do the research on how often cops and nurses get married. It seems like <laughs> a extraordinary high number. I don't know... Why? I'm assuming it's because, I don't know, cops take victims to hospitals, they meet nurses, they fall in love and get married? What? I, I, I don't, I don't that's know wrong. why no, that's no, so no. common. Nurses, nurses are notoriously like criminals. So they oh, get caught they, by cops. They get yeah. arrested by, they get arrested and they're like, why don't you put a ring on my wrist and my finger? I got you. All right. Makes sense. All right. Um... We th okay, we then cut to, I believe this is the funeral wake for the stillborn child, right? Um, mm -hmm. And Danvers' tens. Yeah. Um, this is very moody. This uh, was not a place I wanted to be, to be honest. Yeah, it has like this very intense score where it's like this breathing kind of rhythmic. It's, it's yeah, very unsettling. And, and Danvers, I think at one point, like makes eye contact with, I, I would assume, the grieving mother. Um, and I'm assuming what they're kind of trying to do is uh, kind of just show that, Danvers understands like the loss of a of a child, and um, again, we don't we don't really know these people here in this sequence, but I, I like it kind of bringing the community, I guess, a little bit more together and finding more about the the people. Sure, I uh, I could be wrong on this, and you guys can email me at teambingepodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, that that intense breathing that's coming through the score, I believe that is like a cultural like throat singing um mm. that happens with some cultures so mm. um i got the sense that they took that tradition and wove it into the score and it was yeah it was uh it was good i yeah. very very moody um okay this takes us to we can't get the like real criminology uh medical person so we're gonna get pete's vet friend who occasionally removes the reproductive organs from a dog and he's gonna look at these <laughs> bodies and his name is vince and mm -hmm. vince looks very unqualified for what he's about to do and say i do like how danvers is like hey man you could kind of cut him open and see what's up and pete's like super illegal and danvers <laughs> like oh i was just kidding just kidding man but you could here's yeah, a yeah. scalpel and some cameras <laughs> Um, but Vince points out, he's like, listen, these people died before they froze. They died mm -hmm. in fright. And I was like, all right. All right, Vince. Yeah. And I feel like that seemed relatively obvious. Like, I'm glad they said it here. But yeah, like, if you're going to freeze to death in the middle of nowhere, you're probably going to, like, huddle up in, like, a little ball or all these guys would be huddled together for, like, body warmth. But these guys have just looks of sheer terror on their face. And how they got froze like that is still incredible mystery but he makes mention that it's potentially some sort of like cardiac event so again i don't know what to make of that quite yet mm. yeah i don't either but 
Now that you say that out loud, yeah, his conclusions are kind of obvious. He's just like, <laughs> uh, this one um, is, is, is very terrified. This one looks really scared. This one's circumcised. He's pointing out all of the <laughs> obvious stuff. Anyways, Navarro finally drives out to uh, the middle of nowhere, and she takes Danvers with her, I believe, and they mm-hmm. find Takak in a north camp. This place looks super cool, by the way. Um, Tom, the correct answer of Julian's missing. We got to go find him. Julian's up at north camp in Alaska. I'm assuming petting dogs and shooting walruses. I'm sorry, riding ra- walruses. Jimmy, can you edit it to say that I was riding the, riding the walrus, not shooting it? I was riding the walrus to shoot the walruses. Thank you. I Thanks, am the Jimmy. walrus. <laughs> the Beatles are terrible. All right. We tell Takak that Lund is dead, and he's very upset. By the way, Takak, gracious host, just receives them with all of mm-hmm. the niceties that one would do. <laughs> living on the ice in a tent or a shack in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, these people have no fear of the law here, and I think <laughs> both Navarro. <laughs> no fear of the law here. There's yeah, an album al- title. Uh, certainly uh, see that relationship there. But he is genuinely taken back when he hears that all the Salal, um, you know, scientists, researchers that he was seemingly friends with um, have all died. And I don't know if it was a specific person or whatever, but... Yeah, he takes it very harsh and wants him or wants them out of his his uh, house right away. Yes, yes, he he kicks them out, and I was really like, "Hey guys, we're police officers. Maybe ask a couple more questions. Like, stand outside the door and just ask. Like, who knows? I don't know. These these two cops have not been in, sa- been in sales. You gotta ask a couple <laughs> more questions. You know." They were playing. They were playing bad cop, bad cop, and that's their problem. Bad cop. Yes, they both needed to play good cop, good, good cop. A lot of more excuse <laughs> me's and sirs, and please don't point that shotgun at my face. Uh, there was nice. a little exchange here where he asked uh, Navarro like what her native name was, and I think Navarro said it earlier when she was talking to Quavic about like her mom never actually told her what her name was. So I, I, I like the way this scene was shot because. Navarro doesn't really know what her name is, but the way this guy sees it is that like she's kind of out of touch with her her um, culture and, and what it is. So I, I I like the way that was that was shot, and and Navarro's still trying to want to know more about uh, seemingly her her mother and and her native name. Sure, sure. This is all cut in with the guy at the hospital's awake. His name is Anvers Anders Lund. And they, I'm assuming, get a call. Navarro hops in her helicopter, and she's like, come on, we got to go back because I travel everywhere fast. And Danvers is like, oh, is that how you got into the reenactment when I told that story about us killing that guy? And she's like, can't hear you over the rotors. And they fly (laughs) to the hospital where they land on the top because there's a helicopter pad. Um, Anders Anders, uh, looking pretty good for a guy that was on the ice for, I don't know, three days. Yeah, I tend to agree, and I felt like it was pretty uh, mean of the nurse right before they walked in, like, hey, warning, he's kind of hard to look at. I'm like, come on, like, he could probably still hear, and he, he heard that. That was that was not nice. You think that's why he's so upset? Is because yeah. he's like, that was mean. You hurt my feelings. <laughs> yeah. This is something I have heard my mom say before. Uh, like company came over and uh, she was like bringing them into my room or to meet me. She's like, he's hard mm-hmm. to look at. Um, <laughs> but they woke him up and they're like, we know he's going to be in a tremendous amount of pain, but we feel like it's important for you to talk to him. Um, mm-hmm. So he says something along the lines of, we woke her up and she came for us in the dark. And I was like, that's not something you want to hear from a guy that, uh, I don't know, almost died on the ice in a mysterious way. You want him mm-hmm. to say something like, they all died peacefully. It felt really good. Nothing to see here. And then he dies. <laughs> um, this is broken up with a very convenient, The is the only reason the hunters were brought into this so that this scuffle could happen in the hospital was like, is do you feel like, I don't feel like these hunters are going to be any more important than they were brought in to disrupt this moment here. 
Yeah, it was to show that Hank is a wild card and, and having his hunter buddies try to help with this investigation and then very plot devicey by getting Danvers out of the room so Navarro can be alone. <sighs> All right. And let's I hope get, that's Okay, not- now let's let's please can you put on your best Anders Lund voice and and deliver deliver the lines that he gives to uh, Navarro here? Are you serious? You want me to try this? You're the voice guy. <laughs> Uh, okay, I mean, I can try. Uh, hello, Evangeline. Uh, your mother says, hello. She is waiting for you. So menacing. Is, is that? No, I'm not doing that voice because I want to sleep tonight. That voice was creepy. That voice was super oh. creepy. This was very horrorish, like in terms of, like, was not expecting it. When he sat up, I probably literally, I mean, my, <laughs> my wife could have dead. I probably went, oh no, oh no. <laughs> I did not it like this job. So, As a non horror so guy, I did not like this. Yeah, like with the shot of like the focus on Navarro in the foreground, and then you see this blurry guy in the background sit up sit from up. his chair. Like, it's just. So, so creepy. But like, again, I don't, I don't know if this happened. I don't know if this is Navarro picturing all of this. Mm -hmm. We get the same kind of like finger pointing kind of bit where she got a flashback of like her mom pointing at her while she was like in either possessed or in some sort of mental episode. She's kind of doing the same thing here. So I think that might've been like a clue that this maybe didn't really happen, Um, but it's bringing Navarro closer to this, this mystery and the kind of spirituality and, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to make sense of any of this at this point. That's fun. Well, very conveniently, as you pointed out, she is a she's alone in this room with him, right? So mm-hmm. we have no other mm-hmm. witness to this. This is just her seeing it. So the show, you know, to its credit, this could be a uh, hallucination. This could be something that legitimately happened. I mean, if she had drawn and put three rounds into this dude, hilarious. Uh, because the nurses run back in and she's like, listen, he sat up, he started talking like a British governor and I had to put him down. Uh, And they're like, there's no way. But uh, the show didn't do that. And that's why I don't write for TV. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this ending in the sense that I, this show's bonkers and I don't know what's happening, but uh, I did not like it from the sense that I had to take multiple sleeping pills uh, in order to, to get past this. Um, yeah. This all leads to the real cliffhanger. They should have ended with that, honestly, but instead mm-hmm. we've got Pete and he's hacked Danny's phone. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. a hacker. Clive Owen, Pete, same guys. <laughs> Uh, but what do we get, right? So it's Andy's phone. We get the video, which I love that it's a video. It gives us just that much more. Um, but it's, I don't know, she's in like a, she's out in the mine. She's in an ice cave. But she says, like, I found it. My name is Andy Kotox. She, like, knows something might potentially happen here. And then it's just her screaming in the darkness. Just, again, super, super creepy. Like, what, what do you, do you have any sort of thoughts about what she found? Did she find some sort of clue about the mind's existence did she find the baba yaga i i don't know here i don't know i mean i thought it was weird she was screaming and she was like make sure you like and subscribe and then she kept screaming <laughs> uh threw me off a little bit i mean i did like mm-hmm. and subscribe i'm now a huge annie kotok tiktok fan uh mm-hmm. also friended her on myspace it's tom and not you the real tom myspace tom <laughs> and annie kotok are my two friends isn't her uh, handle Annie Co-, Co TikTok? Yes, that's exactly right. Thank you. Good. How long have you been working on that one? Um, oh, it's timestamp in the outline. Outline uh, three days old. You've been working on that joke. Um, no, I. I don't feel like we can glean anything from this. Reddit and the internet will probably tell me I'm wrong, but I thought this was just the cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming we will get more of this video in the next episode. Um, and also, I really look forward to the conversation with Navarro and Danvers where she's like, Lund sat up and said this to me, and <laughs> it was real. And Danvers is like, cool, 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 cool. I'm going to bring Pete back on as my partner. Um, <laughs> and 
Hello, Mrs. Robinson plays and credits. But <laughs> I don't feel like this episode got me any closer. I mean, they've been throwing a lot on um, Ray and him mm -hmm. being. We still have not found him. I don't feel like it's going to be him. I think part of this episode was like, hey, they seem to be really in love. Um, so I don't know. Did you feel like this episode brought you any closer to the truth? No, not necessarily the central mystery. I mean, I feel like we're running out of time. We're running out of characters. Like, I feel like they haven't introduced some sort of like ancillary character in the first episode that could be the killer. And maybe they have. Maybe it's Quavik and it's going to be a big old twist. Um, but again, I'm not. I don't. I feel like I'm not as concerned about who the actual killer is. I'm more like interested in the the mystery and how they're going to go about solving it. So sure, I'm a lot that's of fun what, with this one. That's what a gumshoe would say. That's given up and can't solve the case. You're like, <laughs> oh, I just, I just want everyone to have fun. I just want to enjoy the game. Yeah, classic homicide detective <laughs> cop out. That's right. All right. Listen, I've solved I've solved so many mysteries thus far. I, I get one break on a show. This is your turn. Oh, hey, crime doesn't sleep, Tom. I don't know if they taught <laughs> you that in gumshoe school. Uh, anyways, I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to episode four, which I'm assuming is called part four. Um, mm -hmm. For those of you that are listening to us, we appreciate you. You can reach out to us at uh, teambingepodcast at gmail.com. Um, this message is for Kaz. Kaz, we appreciate the request for speech writing. Um, we are not good at it. As you can tell, we're terrible with words. So we appreciate you. <laughs> good luck on the speech. Congrats to the bride and bride. We are not the right people for you. Tom, what other social media stuff did I forget to mention? Yeah. Follow us on the Twitters, on the Instagram, at Team Binge or at Team Binge Podcast. Again, fun show that comes out weekly, so we have time to be able to kind of digest it and talk through it. So definitely throw your theories out there. We're obviously all caught up together. Um, and if you have time and you are enjoying our show, please like and um, I say like and subscribe, but we don't really have YouTube. Uh, but we'll leave us a uh, review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps us out and helps uh, spread the show. So we appreciate it. Uh, Tom is wrong. I have a TikTok. Uh, it's Julian makes peanut butter and pickle sandwiches. All I do <laughs> is film myself making peanut butter and pickle sandwiches. I don't even eat them. So that's a different TikTok. <laughs> Julian eats peanut butter and pickle sandwiches. Um, so be sure to try and find that on the internet. Good luck. Um, and uh, with that, I have been Julian. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been Gumshoe Tom. Till next week, everybody. Adios. Mm -hmm.